certainly uh, kind of a blessing to be here this morning and see each of you. Um, my, my mind has been, for the last several weeks, months, been hovering around the, the idea of, of seeing the salvation of God. There's a text over in Luke chapter 3, speaking about John the Baptist, verse 4, and is, is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's Luke 3, 4. Every valley, verse 5, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways shall be made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Bible has a lot to say about seeing the salvation of God and, and I'd like to just look at some scriptures, particularly in the Psalms, <clears throat> but I want to preface it by saying the thing that's important about seeing the salvation of God is that that puts us in a position to praise, worship, and glorify God. To see the salvation of God is one of the main purposes of the gospel being preached, that people might see the salvation that they have in Jesus Christ, which moves them to service, discipleship, and moves them to worship. In First Thessalonians chapter 1, really quickly, you'll remember that those in Thessalonica, it says in verse 10 that how they turned, you know, talks about where Paul preached the gospel. He says our gospel, verse 4, our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and much assurance. And they became followers of us and of the Lord. And verse 10 talks about how they turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. Well, the most important things to understand from that chapter is that that which moved them was that God had manifested the truth Titus chapter 1 verse 3, God manifests his word through preaching. God had blessed them to see that Christ, through his work on the cross and the atonement, that he had actually delivered them from the wrath to come. Because they were waiting for Christ to come back, who had delivered them from the wrath to come. And they understood that. They understood they had forgiveness of sins in Christ. They realized they were saved because they had seen the salvation of God. And it constrained them and moved them to turn from the world, from their idols, to serve to God, to serve the true living God, and to wait for Christ their King, who loved them, died for their sins, and to deliver them from the wrath to come. It moved them to serve Him and also to commit their lives to him. And we see in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5, that verse 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that they died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto them which died for them and rose again. They were made to know something about the love of Christ for them. And the love of Christ that they understood, that Christ loved them, he died for their sins, to put their sins as far away as the east is from the west, as the scripture says, that they might live with him in glory, being delivered from the just desert of the punishment of their sins. What love Christ manifested unto us. He loved us when we were unlovable. There's nothing good in us that just shows the mercy and the grace of the great love wherewith he loved us. And we see the love of Christ that he didn't need to die on the cross for our sins for himself. He did it for us. And that moves us that we henceforth not live unto ourselves but unto him who loved us and died for our sins. So that's a, that's a general theme that I've been thinking about because it's so very important that God hath made known unto us Salvation. The Lord hath made known unto us his deliverance from sin, and it elicits praise. And we, believing, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory when we reflect upon the salvation of God. And when we get in trouble in life, we need to see the salvation of God. As a matter of fact, we're told in, maybe we're not get to Psalms, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, he talks about the armor that we're supposed to put around our head because Satan's wanting to get in your head and turn you away from God and get you thinking about all these things rather than heavenly things. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the world. Satan wants to get our eyes and our minds on things of the world instead of keeping them on the eyes on the Lord. Remember those in Thessalonica? They turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven. See, they had the proper view. They were realizing that they have in better, they have in heaven a better and enduring substance than this here. You see, they realize they have a home they're going to they've never been to before. And it's all through what the Lord Jesus Christ did for them. He died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. But back over in 1 Thessalonians 5, he talks about putting on the helmet, which is the hope or expectation of salvation. So we're supposed to arm our minds with the expectation of salvation. But when we get in a position, either because of sin or Lack of diligence upon the Lord, we take our eyes off the Lord and we start, we, we can get into trouble. We can get into trouble even if we got our eyes on the Lord. This world's full of troubles, trials, persecutions, tribulations, and distresses. But what we need from time to time is to see the salvation of God. 
That'll put us back in a right frame where we rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, realizing that he loved me. He died for me. David was in a lot of distresses in his life. He was running from a man trying to kill him. His own men at one time were going to stone him. Uh, He had all kinds of difficulties and trials. But he, and so he longed to see the salvation of God. And if you have ever seen the salvation of God, that God has shown you, whether through the preaching of the gospel of the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, or whether it's in your closet in prayer, if he's ever shown you that you're right through the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you stand perfectly justified before God, That you're saved by God's grace. That your sins are forgiven. My friends, if you've ever seen that, you long to see it again, do you not? You long to be able to view the salvation. This text says we started out with, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That means Jew and Gentile. So have you ever seen the salvation of God? If If God is blessed by His Spirit to bear witness to you, of the salvation of God that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ, you long to see that again and again. Those top-of-the-mountain moments, if you'll say. There's lots of valleys. But thanks be to God that He can show us the salvation of God. Psalms 50, verse 23 says... Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Just another text talking about showing. And if you've ever seen the salvation of God, it's because God has shown you the salvation of God. Has he ever shown you the salvation of God? He that ordered his conversation aright. And when I think about this text, I think about the publican in Luke 18 who ordered his conversation aright. And that's not just talking about what he's saying, it's what he's doing. He saw his sins before God and he came unto God. It's the right thing to do. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall find mercy. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. All right. He was doing right, and I submit to you that he cried out unto God, "God, be merciful unto me, a sinner." And the Lord teaches there that those that are base, He exalts. He exalts, and it says that the publican went down to his house justified. God, I don't know what all God communicated unto him, but I believe that God showed him the salvation of God. He showed him that all was well with him, that he was relieved from the burden of his sins. It fell off his back, and he went down his house justified. He was abased, and God exalted him with an experience there where God showed him, you are my child. The Spirit of God, it says in Romans eight sixteen, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
Has he ever bore witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? He's shown us the salvation of God. All right. David longed. Now we're going to get to Psalms maybe a little bit. There's a lot of expressions in the Psalms about how what David desired. He desired to see the salvation of God in his life, in his distresses. Um, let's just look at a few scriptures and I'll and we'll we can try to look at some of these together. Go with me to Psalms one nineteen. Psalms one nineteen. Go to the end. That's a long song. Psalm. 176 verses. In verse 74, the psalmist says, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord. And thy law is my delight. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee. So he says, he says, I have longed for thy salvation. Look in verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation. He longs for the salvation of God. He's, he longs for God to communicate to him the salvation that he has. I have longed for thy salvation. Long for thy salvation. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee. Remember that. When God shows the salvation of God, it elicits praise from us. He says there in verse 81 again, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? When wilt thou comfort me? You know, he's in a position where he's not comforted at the time. He doesn't see any comfort. It's like he can't see God. Things are not going well. When wilt thou comfort me? His soul faints for the salvation of God. There's a place over in Psalms 35 verse 3 where David, he prays and he says, Lord, say. All right, let's, let me go over. I want to, I think there's a word I might be missing. Yes, say unto my soul. He tells the Lord, he says, say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Think about that for a moment. Say unto my soul. He's, he's petitioning the Lord. Tell me that you're my salvation. Say that unto my soul. Has the Lord ever said that to your soul? I am thy salvation. You see, he's longed for the salvation of God. His soul faints for the salvation of God. Say unto my soul, I am 
thy salvation. Go with me to Psalms 13. You remember over there in verse 41, he says, My soul fainteth for thy salvation. Or, or yeah. And it says, uh, and, he's, and he says, How, since when wilt thou comfort me? He's asking the Lord a question. Here he asks the Lord some questions. Because he's not seeing the salvation of God right here. You understand this? God's not communicating him the salvation of God. He's lost sight of the salvation of God. He wants to have that reaffirmed to him. Listen to what he says. He says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? You ever been in a situation like this? How long wilt thou? It's like God's clean away. It's like over there in Job. He says, I look for him on the right hand. I find him not. I, I can't find God. Where is the Lord? He says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord God. How long? Go with me to Psalm 68. 69. <coughs> he prays here in the, verse 16. He says, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Thy tender mercies. Hold, hold your finger there just for a minute. I want to get another verse from Psalms 119 verse 41. It says, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. He's linking up mercy with salvation. He says, let thy mercies come into me, even thy salvation. We can see this a similar thing in, in um, Psalms 85. We're still going to go back to 69. But in Psalms 85, he said, verse 7, he says, Show unto us thy mercy, O Lord, grant unto us thy salvation. Here we see mercy, salvation. When mercy is revealed, salvation is revealed. The publican. Was mercy revealed to him? Yes. And salvation was revealed. Alright. He's praying here in Psalm 69. He says, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. And hide not thy face from thy servant. For I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. You ever been in trouble? David's in trouble. Draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it and deliver me because of mine enemies. Hide not thy face from thy servant for I am in trouble. Psalm 
verse 29. He says, but I'm poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. He's longed for his salvation. His soul faints for the salvation. Let thy tender mercies come unto me. That I might see the salvation of God. I want you to think about this text. He says, I am poor and sorrowful. And his prayer is, let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. I submit to you, the public in Luke 18, the salvation of God set him up on high. He was abased. God exalted him. Whatever the words were that he communicated unto him, that his case was okay, that he was fine, he was justified. It says when God says justified, which means God had declared unto him that he was right, all was well. I'm telling you, the salvation of God set him up on high. The salvation of God set up those in Thessalonica on high. When the salvation of God sets us up on high, it puts us in a place to worship God and to praise God for the salvation that we have. When God, when we see the salvation of God. And again, I'm going to say this. The only reason we say, you know why we see the salvation of God is because it's only because God has shown us the salvation of God. When he shows us, we see it, we rejoice Joy, unspeakable, full of glory, praising God. I have longed for thy salvation. Let my soul live and I'll praise thee. Look what it says here. I am poor and sorrowful. He says, I am poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. What's the next verse? I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. You see, it moves him to a position of praise and thankfulness. He says, this shall also please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns or hooves. So what's that mean? Well, that, that, you know, in the Old Testament, the ceremony of worship, they had to give offerings of sacrifices and all these things. You know what the sacrifices of God really are? A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Turn with me to Psalms 51. Verse 15 says, O Lord, open thou my lips. And my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Spiritually, you know, you had all these carnal ceremonies and these these different things. The, you know, the worldly, the sanctuary and all, all the external, maybe I should say instead of carnal, the external worshiping of God. Alright? In the ceremonial law, all those things were good. They were supposed to do all those things. But those were external. 
true worship isn't involved in the things. You know, it's 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 not it's not the songs. The ex, the, we got books and we got we got print and we got songs and we got melodies. Well, there's a lot of people can sing real good that have no uh, love for God in their hearts out here in the world. There's a lot of people singing other than church folks. But we're supposed to sing making melody in our heart to the Lord. True worship comes from the heart. True praise comes from the heart. It's not in the externals. And it really wasn't in the externals of taking some beast that's got hoof and horns and sacrificing it out here. You think God's, you know, he really just likes the, the smell of, of burning, you know, flesh? <clears throat> All right. Now, he tells us it's not just in the external, but the sacrifices of God. He says, Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. It's not just in the external, it's what's behind those people offering that. But he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. So he says, Lord, I am poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song from the heart. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And that's going to be a lot better than just some external sacrifice of bullocks or ox with hooves and horns. That's what he's talking about. The humble shall see this and be glad. And your heart shall live that seek God. We're about out of time. I'll give you one more scripture. You can go home and meditate on this. <clears throat> and think upon this. Psalms 106. <coughs> Verse 4. It says, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest Unto thy people. Oh, visit me with thy salvation. That I may see the good of the, thy chosen. That I may rejoice with glad, the gladness of thy nation. That I may glory with thine inheritance. There's a lot of preaching in that actually. Let me just say this. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor. What's he been saying? Lord, let me see your salvation. I've longed to see thy salvation. Show me your salvation. My heart faileth for thy salvation. O visit me. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Wants to see the salvation of God. But listen to what he says. He says, remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. Do you know what the favor is that he bears unto his people? 
He shows them the salvation of God. And he's saying, remember me with the favor which thou bearest unto your people. Oh, visit me with thy salvation. Then he's got some purposes there. That he may rejoice with the gladness of thy nation. That I may glory, uh, says, that I may see the good of thy chosen. <clears throat> and in the gladness of thy nation. Uh, I'll give you one more to read. And then I'll close. Psalms 85. Go read Psalm, the first few verses of Psalms 85. <clears throat> Wilt thou be, but, um, Verse 5, wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou dry out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again? We sing the song, revive us, revive us. Do you know how God revives us? He shows us the salvation of God. Revive us that thy people may what? Rejoice in thee. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people. Has he ever spoke peace to you? Well, if he has, you want, you desire for him to speak peace to you again and again. That God would hear us. That he would strengthen our hearts. Speak peace to our hearts. And show us the salvation of God. May God bless you.
made a choice. And his choice, he prays God. He does this. That's how he gets over to the heart. It gets really complicated when you start trying to get the mind of God. I got a question. Can God change his mind? And that's, that's, that's all of this, right? You're talking about. The answer is actually no. Exactly. His decree is a said, decree. Exactly. His revealed will. Says, right. there's, there, there's some scriptures that people might think that repented him that he made a man. Right. Like uh, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it, I just want to say I love you, man. And that's great. Oh, Thank you. 